1: It is the week of the 31st edition of the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic, the oldest golf tournament in the Middle East. And somehow, I'm not sure how we've managed to persuade these guys to come in <laughs> and, and give, us, give us an hour of their time, Chris McCarty. But we're joined in studio by two greats, two men who have tasted major success on the world of golf stage. We have indeed. Martin Keimer, a two-time major winner, 2010
0: PGA Championship, 2014 <laughs> US Open Championship. And we say a very good evening to Martin now good evening Martin good evening great to have you in the studio and he's joined by another man a man who's put on that famous green jacket I take you back to 2016 Masters Champion it is the one and only Danny Willett
1: we say good evening Danny good evening great to have you boys in we've clipped up a couple of highlights for you guys let's start with with Danny Let's let's wind our memories back to 2016
2: been watching all the Nicholas tributes this week
0: The 30 year anniversary of the Epic 86 Masters. Jack and Jackie together. Jackie wore bib number 89, Mighty Caddy for his dad 30 years ago. And Jonathan Smart,
1: bib 89 for Danny Willett. Danny, thinking about that, superstitions in golf are commonplace. But when you reflected on the fact that your caddy wore the same bib as Jack, and I think mm. you'd won, you'd become the, the the next Englishman since Nick Faldo, twenty years afterwards mm. to win the Masters. If you weren't superstitious, maybe that was the time to get superstitious.
3: Yeah, there's a lot of crazy things that go on, and people kind of stats guys pick numbers from everywhere, and um, yeah, the bib one was was kind of the most iconic. Um, and I'm not sure if Jack was last man in that week, but obviously because Zach was born the week before, we were last man in um, in 2016. So. Yeah, to see the pictures of Jack when he won um,
1: all of them years ago and then uh, and then myself and Smarty with the bib on it, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. And Martin, your victory in 2014 at the US Open, it was iconic and it was by a huge margin as well. Oh Just like he did already, oh. runs at home and
0: Martin Carter is a US Open champion,
1: The voice there at the end of Johnny Miller, who shot maybe one of the all-time great US Open rounds at Oakmont in 1973. And when he's saying (laughs) what you did at Pinehurst was impressive, that must be kind of surreal to hear.
2: Well, it wasn't a very impressive performance for for myself too. You know, after two rounds, I was 10 under par, which was uh, very surprising for me because when I played the practice round, after Wednesday, I got asked um, where I can see the winning score. And I said, you know... So maybe two or three over par would have a good chance. So I really underestimated my my game and everything. You know, I, I had no idea how to play the golf course, apparently. Um in the end I played it really, really well. Um it didn't really match with my with my thought on Wednesday uh, after my round. Um but then the challenge was to to keep the expectations low over the weekend and don't try to match the same score on Thursday and Friday as a new days, a new um, 18 holes ahead of you, and that, that was that was the biggest thing for me and the most difficult thing. Two career highlights for the both of you. I mean,
0: give us an insight, and I'll come to you, Danny. I mean, we we see you side by side here. I mean, for those out there that don't follow golf or or perhaps are naysayers when it comes to the sport of golf, give us an insight. How how close are you guys, the guys on tour? I mean, you travel all around the world. Uh, I appreciate that, you know, there is a lot of travel. You're staying in luxurious kind of places. Do you guys, and it might not be Martin, it could be another players and and others out there, do you socialise? Are you all close on tour?
3: Yeah, you get obviously different mixes. Um, You know, guys with families, guys without families, guys who are single, guys who are married or got girlfriends, whatever it may be. Um, you know, I think probably I'd say less social these days purely because when the family travels and stuff, you know, you've, you've got obligations to, to help look after the kids. And then when you do get chance, you obviously try and go out and see friends. Um, I've known Martin for a lot of years now and both played in America at the same time, both played in Europe at the same time. Um, Martin has done a hell of a lot for the game, you know, within European golf, um, for Ryder Cups and, and obviously being well number one, two majors. Um, it's an impressive resume and obviously we've been out a few times for dinner and stuff but yeah you end up you don't really play the same schedules you don't sit down all the lads and, and match your schedules up to so you can go out for dinner with each other you play what schedule matches matches where you're going and um, a lot of the time you you know various parts of the world um, traveling on your own and, and yeah you meet up with the guys and you go for dinner and a couple of beers and um, I think it's probably a bit more sociable on the European tour than what it is on PGA tour. You
0: mentioned their family. I, I appreciate you've got teams that travel with you as well. Does it ever get? And I want to get delve straight into. Does it ever get lonely, Martin? Honestly, Are you ever on tour because the the riches and and all the money that you guys play for on a weekly basis. You travel the world. You get to see some beautiful places. Are you ever lonely as a golfer?
2: Um, there's a good book that uh, that Thomas Bjorn wrote, or that that he was involved in. Um, a, few, a few of the players, I don't know if Danny was involved as well, um, and they came out after the Ryder Cup, the Golfers, what was it called again? Golfers' Mind mind Game. I think it was called Mind sometimes. Game. And um, it's, it's talked a lot about that loneliness of, of athletes in general, but also for us golf players. I wouldn't say I feel lonely sometimes, but you feel alone. Um, and I think there's a difference that... Um, you know loneliness can be depressive as well yeah um but um the death was even more important to surround yourself with, with good people bring them out sometimes ask your friends ask your family um, to join them to join you to certain tournaments in, in the world make it a fun week you know golf is just a very small part of our life it's a big part but in general it's a very small part so you need to find that balance and you need to ask people that care about you, that that you care about them and to bring them out, to enjoy the weeks together. And then, you know, I noticed I don't feel, well, I feel a lot lot more comfortable and then I can enjoy, enjoy the game more. And what you said earlier, you know, those luxury hotels, um, food, places where we go, you can enjoy it. You can enjoy it always more when you have someone with you instead of uh, doing it by yourself.
1: Golf, its a strange game in many ways, and, and as you guys say, it's an individual sport. But also, there's always a constant need, I suppose, to be evolving one's game. And we've seen Tiger Woods; I think he changed his swing about four times. When you're out on tour, and you're always hearing different ideas, and you've got different things that you want to work on, work on with your swing, and you achieve something like you guys have done, which is win yeah. major championships. Sort of how do you keep moving forward? Is there always that sort of willingness, that want, that desire, Danny, to, to tinker about and to sort of <clears> fiddle about with things? Or is it about maintenance? Is it about sort of keeping what you've been doing and, and continuing to do that?
3: Um,
1: I don't really know, to be honest. I think obviously Martin has been world number
3: one, so then there is nothing else. Theoretically, there is no further you can go. So then do you try and maintain or do you then keep trying to push boundaries? I think a lot of us look up to Tigers because... He was obviously world number one for a hell of a long time and we then saw him change things and trying to keep pushing boundaries and trying to keep getting better and better. I think he's probably driven a lot of people to to try and do the same thing behind him. Um, I don't think I enjoy trying to maintain playing all right or playing well. Um, you want to keep getting better. If there's something you could improve on, then you might as well start straight away and, and try, try and improve on that um, going forward because you know that down the line, it might not happen in the next week or the next month or the next year even. Um, you know, but if it's something that's going to help you ten years from now, um, then it's probably something worthwhile doing.
0: The process uh, f- from and, and we talked to. We were quite fortunate. We sat down with, with Bryson DeChambeau the golfing scientist, and, and we asked the question <coughs> to him this past week. Is do you enjoy the process more than the competition? And he said, yeah, probably, I do. I like tinkering with things. I enjoy that. I learn, I, I enjoy learning about the game and learning about myself playing the game more than maybe I do the competition. With regards to what you boys get out of the game, and I'll, and I'll come to you first and foremost, Martin. I mean, you've achieved, you're a two-time major winner. You, you've won three Ryder Cups. I mean, what keeps you still playing the game of golf? Is it the love of it? Is it pressure from sponsors? Where does your drive to continue. And I guess the second point of that question, does it matter to you moving forward if you ever win another major, truthfully?
2: Well, I think moving forward is, is the most important, um, but you need a plan. You need a plan in order to move forward. So, And I think the biggest mistakes that um, a lot of athletes do and a lot of people in general do, that I've also done, is compare, your, compare yourself with, with others. What, what what Danny just said is it about maintaining the number one in the world, like, like Tiger did, but it's always about other people. They have done it. You get compared. You get yeah. rated. And um, Well, our, our sport is about results. I get that. Um, but for me, talking about loneliness um, and being alone, there was um, probably the most loneliness moment in my career to be number one in the world that evening because there was no one there to celebrate it with so and people treat you very different and that was very strange for me and i didn't really enjoy that so what i really enjoyed was that whole process the way to get there and that is motivating me to um to try a different way you know i got criticized a lot for trying to hit a draw from from the tee because i was never able to do this so why doesn't he continue with his fade? because he keeps winning tournaments but it's not all about the results for other people, it's about the results. But for me, it wasn't about the result. It's about moving forward. And uh, what Denis said, maybe <clears throat> what is down the line in the next five, ten years, that is important because we can have such a long career. So you sacrifice a couple of years um, for the long run. In other sports, you can't really do this. But this is, I think, what um, what golf players, where, where our luxury is, is the time that we have because our team, career can be 20 years or more so on that point then does winning another major does it matter to you on and and honestly and i'm asking for of course i mean it matters hugely otherwise um you know i wouldn't i i have a i have a really bad motivation to win the other two majors that i haven't won yet you know then i can quit then i won everything then I wouldn't. Then I wouldn't would travel. You, if you won the, if you won the Masters and you won the Open, would you, would you quit? Well, I wouldn't. I wouldn't travel thirty years to uh, uh, thirty weeks a year. I wouldn't do this. You know, mm. I would, I would really just play the tournaments that really make me happy. I go to places that I really enjoy. Sometimes you you go to places that you don't really like, but it's just part of the job. And you know, practicing in the winter time for four, five, six weeks away from the family over Christmas, New Year's but this is what I'm doing in order to win those two majors. I wouldn't do this if I would have won all four majors.
1: And that actually indicates, because we we always wonder whether we overblow the significant significance of major championships in the media. And, and there's no doubt the media zoom in on the majors and they make a huge deal of that. But as players, Danny, I mean, your life must have changed dramatically when you won the Masters. and And I guess expectations that you put on yourself must have also changed when you won the Masters as well. I mean, what would be the most sort of profound way that your life did change following that week in in Augusta? Um, Yeah, you kind
3: of just, you are, well, we were watched then from morning till night. Every time we stepped on a drive range on a putting green at a golf tournament, um, 12 hours a day, there was a camera crew following you around. What's he doing here? What's he doing here? You know, and and, and before that week, um, I think we were still 20th in the world. We were still, you know, as far as athletes go, it's pretty good at what you do. Um, But (laughs) someone wasn't following you around all the time. And then obviously the weeks after that every tournament you went to there was just more demands on your time and um, we just had zach so you know there's more demands on your time in, in other walks of life as well and um, it, for me it just it became a little bit too much to try and juggle and make everyone happy I, I traveled a little bit more because people wanted you to go play in asia and around the world and go do clinics here and there and stuff and um, and i went and did them but then you get to the end of the year and and i was pretty burnt out i was tired when you get tired, you do things wrong, your injuries crop up, mentally you're fatigued. Um, you know, it just kind of started to snowball a bit um, in, in a bad way really from there, which was a shame because we just obviously had Zach and I wanted to be at home seeing him more, but the demands on my time for golf and, for golf and stuff were, were, were probably the most they've ever been. So, um, yeah, I really struggled to kind of juggle everything and to get, you know, my, my, my time locked down and, and, and properly arranged. So... um. You know, if hopefully, fingers crossed, I get to win another major, and then I will do things slightly differently next
1: time. We're in conversation. We're in studio with two golfing major. Yeah, winners. we certainly are. Two major winners
0: in, in, in our midst. It is Martin Kaymer. It is Danny. Well, just a quick aside to that, Robbie. You are the starter as well this year once again. I am again. the starter. Yeah. So just make sure yeah. to say good morning to this fella, boys, on
2: the first because first hole or tenth hole on the first hole. Oh, on the know. first well, hole, Robbie So is, is I back. will endeavour
1: yeah. not to put you off <laughs> um, and just try and keep as quiet and as uh, yeah discreet as possible. But guys. It's great to have you in. It's fantastic to have you guys in. We're having an open, honest discussion about all things golf. Alberto's been in touch. Big fan of both of you. He just says, no way, Danny Willett, amazing. Have you got a question, yeah. Alberto, that you want to follow up with that? He says, Martin, saw you at the Rio Olympics. You were, a massive, uh, you were a massive fan of golf getting back into the Olympics. Of course, we're going to see that return in Tokyo in a few months' time. You were one of the guys that kind of came out amidst all the skepticism, and you said, there's no way this can be a bad thing. This has to be a good f- thing for golf. I
2: mean, I think as an athlete, how how can you not want to go to the Olympics? Um, but again, I also said in press conferences before, we got so driven in those sports, you know, Formula One, basketball, football, ice hockey, whatever it is, and also golf, so driven by money. Yeah, You know, it gets, uh, it, it gets in the way sometimes. And um, I just wanted to feel that atmosphere. I wanted to see the best athletes in their sport. Um, I want to see how they prepare. And I want to... I want to feel that, uh, yeah, that preparation, that that they put in, there, everything. I want to, I want to to enjoy all those special moments that uh, they write history, really. And uh, so, therefore, it was never really a question for me not to go to Rio.
1: On that subject, can you guys yeah. remember <laughs> the last time a putt or a shot financially mattered to you, and whether that changed, you know? Can you remember when you when you were starting out and just getting into professional golf? When you were thinking, I've got to make this cut to make this check, and, and money was actually because we've got a minor golf tour out here where these guys are plugging away, and it's you look at at the range; they all stripe it, they all hit it great, but yet golf is so competitive now, and these guys are going out and making a cut can be the difference between being able to afford a flight to go to another tournament.
3: Yeah. <laughs>
2: You want to go first? Yeah. No, I've got. I've
3: got my, I quite like mine. I quite like my my first my first ever tour event was at Celtic Manor, and I got an invite. I just turned pro, and uh, and I needed an eagle down the last to make the cut. And I for some I had to go for it over the water at Celtic Manor. It was freezing cold. It was into so I've just got it over the water. I have like a fifty yard pitch up and over a concert and pitched in. Made three and a half grand that week. First ever check that was what it was first ever check but just gave you the ability though then to play on the weekend and to see to see where you really stood funnily enough at the time I obviously wasn't amazing we finished like 60th but yeah it was just it was one of those at the moment I had my mum my dad brothers brother's wife it just people there and it was just yeah it was just it was a pretty it was a pretty surreal little moment it's gone
0: I I love that that's a real good moment a lot of messages coming in for both of you I want to come back to your major successes if we can because let's talk highs and then we'll maybe look at some lows as well in terms of your two wins Martin because you did them in contrasting fashion you had a playoff win against Bubba which I would imagine tested the nerves and then you had that incredible performance to win the US Open by eight shots when you compare them and contrast them what what one gives you the greater satisfaction
2: well you said it, it tested my nerves in, in 2010 it didn't at all there that, that, that was a funny thing about that day that's uh, that sunday afternoon when i was when i was in the playoff with the three holes to go and uh, at that time i said to my manager and and to my caddy, um you know this is how it most likely will play out cuz baba he can get home um he will drive the first the first hole cuz he's so long so i need to pick up a birdie on on the next two holes um, to equal the score or something, so maybe I, I should birdie 17, and then we go to 18, and then we are, we'll, we'll see who makes par or maybe even birdie. So I was not really nervous at all because I was overwhelmed. Afterwards, I reflected on it. I was overwhelmed by the position that I was in because I didn't really realize what I was doing. You know, my goal was to make the Ryder Cup team that week. It was um
1: So you thought the easiest way would to do that <laughs> would be to win a major. <laughs> no,
2: for me it was just important to finish in the top ten. Top ten secured my, 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 my spot in the Ryder Cup team and I never played Ryder Cups before and it was in Europe that year, so I thought it would be amazing. And then all of a sudden I felt I saw myself on the leaderboard, um, yeah, at the at the top after six or seven holes, and then I said to Craig, you know, it's amazing. What whatever happens today it doesn't really matter because I can say my career I, I led a major championship and then uh, it turns out like this so it wasn't really nervy um in 2014 it was worse because of the expectations it was very difficult the Sunday was so hard to play because you know I played with Ricky Fowler on Sunday afternoon obviously we, we played in America there were not that many fans for me it's understandable you know he's an American guy he's very likable um and they were very fair though but it was very difficult to play because you think you know everything is going well there's no no issues you get up and downs from everywhere you hit good drives and then you know you need to see the first 3 4 holes and if you if if you get away with the first 3 4 holes then you have a feel for the day and then you can go And fortunately, the first 4 5 holes they went really well um and then i could then i could enjoy um how well i was playing it was really really enjoyable how good i played that that week it was it was probably one of the best or probably the best Week of my of my career, the way I play golf. The, the 2014 success. Yeah, in the, the US Open. Yeah, yeah.
1: well, oh. you finished at what was it nine under. In a, in a course where, as, as you said at the start, you weren't supposed to be able to really break par. I think one under was, was <laughs> second place. That yeah. It
0: was Ricky, and I'll throw a player at you, Rob, because I often poke fun at the fact
1: Eric Compton. He had a heart condition, didn't yeah. he? Did yeah. he really? Yeah, he had a heart condition. Amazing times. story. Yes, Two or that's three right. Times. That's right. Yeah, that was incredible. But oh, yeah, always he, oh,
3: he used to get done for slow play, but well, obviously because he, he couldn't get his heart rate too, too elevated. So wow.
1: And and Danny, I mean, the Masters 2016, it was a chaotic, as it so often is at Augusta with the back nine and the the things that can happen. They've happened time and time again. Jordan going in the water twice on on the 12th. You kind of you'd been you'd been playing brilliantly that final day. You would go on to shoot a round of 67. But when your chance came, first of all, you mustn't have been expecting it to have arrived at the point that it did because of where Jordan was. But then you just went into this zone. You just kind of closed it out. You hit this incredible chip on the seventeenth to about a foot, and you were just you were you were flawless basically the last four or five holes. Talk to us about what that going into that zone feels like when there's so many distractions, so many roars and all that stuff going on around you. Yeah, it was obviously
3: a strange, a strange scenario. Um because we were well, basically me and Westy and and anybody else that was there were playing for second place. Um, Jordan was so far in front, it was five shots in front with nine holes to play.
0: That's where the mindset was at, you're thinking, yeah it's second <coughs> place I'm playing for here. Five
3: five shots is a lot around that golf course, um, it, it just is. You know, I think historically if you look back at Augusta, nobody ever wins that place from outside the top 18 at any one time in the tournament, I think it's from out of the last 35, 35 years. Um, so you've always got to be within touching distance of doing it Um but obviously Jordan had put a little bit of distance between himself and uh, myself and Westy and um, yeah f- five shot with nine holes to go is usually a formality. Um, that being said Augusta's back nine is is why people enjoy it so much, you've got some really tricky holes in, in 10, 11, 12 round Amen Corner. corner um, and then you've got in my opinion three phenomenal, four phenomenal chances at birdie in a row, 13, 14, 15, 16 with how the flags are on yeah. a Sunday. I've watched it for years on TV. and. You know where the flag's going to be. You've seen shots hit from Tiger, from Phil, from Bubba, from everyone into certain pins, and you know that you can get them if you're in the right places to start with. So, um, yeah, we were just trying to make birdies all day, trying to just keep the foot down and, and see if anyone made a hiccup. And obviously, we'd just finished on 15, and Jordan obviously had, had, had his issues on 12. And then, yeah, from there, it was just nice to be able to actually take that opportunity that I've seen a lot of people mess up in the past and, um, and actually take... Um, Take my chances and really go at it and obviously made birdie up 16 had a great par save on 17 and then um knocked it safely on the green on the last you know because again once once that has has been done you've knocked around the last you can then again you can make a lot of messes up the last hole and, and once we're on the green into two it was then a, a, a pretty enjoyable walk because i'd basically done everything i could um apart from holding that port it was there was nothing else that i could do i just had to then sit and wait for 40 minutes and and watch and see you've both done
1: a very good job of making winning a major championship seem a bit matter of fact (laughs) like you're just out for a stroll (laughs) with your mates playing the weekly medal yeah it's definitely not that that's for sure
0: this is off script extra time with chris and robbie
1: join the conversation on dubai i 103.8 23 minutes to eight on your monday evening in studio with both Danny Willett and Martin Keimer. We're talking all things golf. We're reminiscing on their major championship victories, Ryder Cup experiences, highs and lows of two great careers. It's great to have you in with us, guys. We were talking Masters just a few moments ago, Danny, and uh, just to continue that conversation if we can, because I've heard it described as the most awkward ceremony in all of sports, (laughs) the Butler Cabin (laughs) presentation ceremony. The green jacket is probably the coolest prize in all of sports, and that Butler Cabin ceremony is the most awkward, or at least it seems like that. You could cut the tension with a knife. And you had Jordan. You told us off air, not minutes before or since he'd finished his round, that he had to come in and go through that with you.
3: Yeah, obviously that scenario was strange because Jordan was defending champion. History writes that the defending champion puts a jacket on the new champion, welcoming it into to Augusta National. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously for it to happen that quickly as 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 the situation unfolded on that Sunday, yeah, I think was... Yeah, probably it's, it, it, there's easier things to do, isn't there? You know, yeah. you flip that and you look at when me and Sergio did it. I mean, I was nearly crying for him. I was down there with his family, waiting for him to come in. I'd missed a cut, so I'd had a couple of <laughs> glasses of red. I got my jacket on. I was having a great day. You know, b- because, again, because we're close friends. And to see someone do that and is it being his first major and knowing yeah. how that felt for me and having his family there and having friends there, it was... Yeah, two very, very, very different Let's get scenarios. one thing straight because, as I say, I watched it again. Robbie, on the drive down,
0: you've got to see this. I watched it. I mean, Jordan is distraught. You can clearly see on his face. He's in face. shock. He's I in mean, shock he... is what he is. You're right. He stumbles over his chair. No handshake was forthcoming. You don't hold that against him. The fact. Yeah, but you've got to
1: put the jacket on. It's... It, there was no... But it just, it, but you I can't guess, shake the hand and put the jacket on simultaneously. Well, there's
0: ways you can, but <laughs> he's just caught up in the fact that it's minutes after his round and bygones be bygones after there was no issue there between oh
3: no no he's he's one um, one of if not the nicest person on tour um, yeah I think the fact that the ceremony is so close to finishing in that particular situation is frankly probably slightly cruel yeah
1: a massive thing that happened in golf. I, I, I want to get your thoughts on this, Martin. I mean, Tiger last year, a lot has been said about what he did at the Masters. You was, was someone that leapt to his defence when everyone was enjoying kicking him when he was down. This was a couple of years ago when he was seemingly heading towards retirement. He was really at his lowest ebb, didn't think that he'd ever play golf again, wondered whether he could play with his kids again. Fusion surgery to come back and win the Masters in the way that he did. I mean, they said it in the broadcast. I think Jim Nance said it was the greatest scene in golf that he'd ever witnessed. I mean, from a player's perspective, were you guys as blown away as we were all blown away?
2: It was uh, super, super inspiring. You know, to see that, it really, really motivates you again. You know, if you lack any motivation, that that must motivate you. And I don't really know if we can... Um, honor that success uh, more because, you know, one really knows wh- what he went through. You know, the, the body is one thing, but the expectations mentally, you know, going to the, to Augusta again with all the hype around him and um, then he plays well the first two rounds. He put himself in a position after three rounds to win the Masters again. You know, mentally to do all that, that is, I don't know if you can put this in words, how difficult it is because we've all been in situations where, um where it's so, I mean, it's dramatic, you know, mm. roller coasters of, of emotions. When when you see my win in the Sawgrass in two thousand fourteen, you know there was a rain delay and back and uh, back to the clubhouse, and I didn't think we we're gonna play the the same day. Then you go back, go out again, you know, all those things that happen on the golf course, and that he managed it so well. Um, you can't. I mean, I think I really underestimated Tiger Woods. I didn't think that he could he could do that. You know that was amazing. Already winning the FedEx Cup or the FedEx uh, that tournament uh, the, the year before the Tour Championship, yeah, the Tour Championship, and then winning another major. You know, I was really happy for for the game of golf that we are so pleased to have to have him in our in our golf team and that we can be part of of that historical moment.
0: Can I ask Martin, what compelled you, uh, and we discussed it on our show, uh, what was it, two years ago now, you you came out, you you, you videoed yourself coming to the defence of Tiger, just saying guys, listen, we're human beings at the end of the day, yes we're golfers, there. yes we're athletes and, and sportsmen, we're there to be shot at, it's the nature of sport in many respects, but what
2: made you say, listen, enough's enough, I want to have my peace? It was a very interesting situation because I was at home in Germany and I watched the news, on on a news channel where you don't watch anything about sport it was just normal news worldwide you know all the wars in the world and all those sad things and then tiger woods came up and i thought wow okay and then i was laying in bed and and, and, in the evening i couldn't really fall asleep because i was still thinking about that um that little um yeah thing that they that they showed about tiger you know the picture the the d yeah yeah and i thought I mean, why do people do this? You know, and then I got messages the same day about this video, um, and I wonder why do why do people focus always on the things that that are bad and all, all, also the news? Why are they all so negative? What, is it because we are so insecure and in, as as a person? Is it easy to 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 be mean to, to others? You know, you should you should be so grateful for what he has done in in sports, and. Um, is very disrespectful towards all his efforts, his success. Um, yeah, his whole... Um, he, he, he changed the, the game for us the last 20 years. And um, I just found it ridiculous and really, really bad from people and the media, the way they treated Tiger Woods, that person, not the athlete, but the person. And I thought, you know, and then I, I <laughs> turned on the light on the nightstands and I took my phone out and I just wanted to record it for myself. And then I sent it to my manager and I said, you know, this is what I think about Tiger Woods and about the whole scenario right now, the way tr- people treat him. is It's not it's not good. And then we, we decided to to post it. Um, it was not so much because I wanted him to see it. I wanted to make people aware of the person behind the athlete. And mm, that's what people forget these days. Yeah. I mean,
1: th- this is the kind of the, t- the double-edged sword of social media. And you guys, now that you're on social media, you get to control what you're putting out and, and how you kind of project yourself. You don't have to rely on magazines or TV shows or radio stations to do that. You, you have your own platform now. But, I mean, Danny, if, if it springs to mind, you know, the scrutiny of the Ryder Cup and you know, your brother writing a column and that sort of stuff, you know, was that was that, that must have been quite tricky for you.
2: We played together that, that week. Didn't we, we did play together yeah. that week.
1: Martin took me under his wing and <laughs> protected me. Well, <laughs> did,
3: no, I didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. No, he didn't. I don't think anyone could have. <laughs> um, yeah, no, it, it is. But like Martin said, it's 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 people. People don't they get things out of context. They don't know the full gist of what's gone on, what's been said, what was actually written. In that case, a lot of people just got snippets of, of a certain article and and people took it and blew it way out of proportion and then it ended up being the talking point of that week which was a shame because you know that week was supposed to be about golf it was supposed to be about one of the best golf tournaments in in the world biannually and um, yeah and it just it was a shame kind of how it all came to the forefront and how it all kind of set off um, yeah unnecessary things On that basis
0: then Danny I mean that Ryder Cup bad memory, I mean obviously I think you the, the, you lost that Ryder Cup if memory serves me but the memories of that week, is that something you want to exercise, you want to maybe try and get into this Ryder Cup team in 2020 and just put that to, to one side and actually say hey
3: listen, 2016 is past. I want to kind of rewrite history in that regard um, Yeah, I mean I, I want to get in the team it's not it's not my main focus to get in the team, my I main focus for me is to stay healthy and to play good golf and if I can continue to do that then we will be back in that team at Whistling Straits and Yes, it would be nice to go back there and to go back there um, actually playing well. When I went there last time, I'd like I said earlier, you know, the middle of twenty sixteen was incredibly hectic for me no. with what had happened. And by the time I got there, I was tired. The body wasn't very good. I was I was injured. But I wasn't swinging well. Um, so I think if I'd have played well that week, it probably would have been a lot easier to digest a lot of the things that were going on. But because I knew I wasn't playing very well, um, that scenario became even harder. So yeah, it'd just be nice, yeah, just to get back there playing playing good golf, knowing that I can be in that team, be part of that team and try and help
1: that team um, team win. Does the fact is at Whistling Straits, Martin, where you won, of course, in 2010, the PGA, Does that is that extra motivation or is that completely irrelevant for you in, in terms of your desire to get back on a Ryder Cup team?
2: Um, you know, I noticed when we went back to Celtic Manor and also Glen Eagles, their golf course is never the same. You know, when you play the, the Ryder Cup, it's very, very different. Um, but I would like to play again, you know, I would like to come, come back to a place where I had major success, where my where my career really started and to play, as Denis said, one of the biggest tournaments that we have in golf, on that golf course where an, a great thing happened for me, it would will, it will be quite cool to, to do it then.
0: Can I ask you both, do you watch it? If you don't make the team, do you make a point of, right, fellas, your mates, come round, pizzas are ordered, we're sitting down and we're watching the Ryder Cup. Do both of you do that? <clears throat>
2: I I don't know about you, but I watched it in 2018, and it was horrible. It was good, but it was horrible. Good, there Europe won, but it was uh, you know I mean fair enough. The, the 12 guys who were there, they were better than me, so it's fine. They should be there. They should be playing. But and I also need to thank them because it, it's it's definitely a huge motivation because you want to be that 12th man. You know you want to be that that man in the team. Um, and it was it was both things. Obviously, in, in the end of the day, it's just a just a tournament that we play. But once you have been there and you won it, you want to be part of that win because it gives you so much as a as a golf player. Danny, you were nodding there. You watched it. I watched Hating it. Hating
0: it, enjoying it. Where's your, your, your
3: full gamut of emotions? Uh, no, it's it's, it's it's amazing to watch. One of the best nights i ever had was actually watching Medina. I'd driven up to the Dunhill links um, early and I told my missus, I told Nick, which is now my wife, Nick, that we were just going to go for a quick drink in the Dunveig and have a bit of food and then go back and we'd be in bed and at three in the morning we were jumping on tables <laughs> hammered because I th- I thought it was going to last, you know, I mean, the guys were getting pagged, yeah. you know, and pure and drama. Yeah. It was pure amazing. Drama. So we sat there and we, there's, there, there's, there was a few people mingling around at seven, eight o'clock at night and then by 11 o'clock, it was getting exciting. Nick's like, are we going? No, 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 this is going to get really good. And then, like I said, 2, 3 in the morning, everyone's on, on top of tables. It was, yeah, I watch I watch it all the time. You watch it because it's amazing, like Martin said, you want to be there. Um, 2016 was my first real chance of of actually get making the team. 2014 hours a ways away, uh, and obviously then 2018 hours miles away. So, um, yeah, this, this next time will be interesting. But you always, you do watch it, you cheer the lads on. Um, you, the golf course that they played at the Paris National we we know so you look and you see how good they played um, I think how how the Americans underestimated that golf course you know potentially not being prepared that golf course is, is brutal especially with the win they had and how the golf course was set up so it was a fantastic watch but yeah at the back of your mind you're still gritting your teeth because you, you want to you, you, you feel like you should be there you want to be there in no
1: way shape or form was I playing good enough to be there but you know you want to be back there the miracle of Medina that was one of our top moments of the, the decade in sport when we were looking back on it just a few weeks ago in all the great moments that had occurred in sport and you were the guy <laughs> Martin that got to to hit the winning putt and I remember speaking to you about f- whenever it whenever it, 2012 it was and you, you said you treated it as a gift an opportunity something that was a great moment for you Before hitting the winning putt, most people would have been absolutely quaking in their boots at the prospect of having to hole, what was it, like a seven or eight foot putt to win the Ryder Cup to cap that comeback
2: yeah, I like it it, how, it, it how gets longer you... and longer than yeah, it was 15 minutes <laughs> <laughs> no, it was, it
1: was, it was it, not it was a six, gimme though
2: it was a tester it, it was, was a, a tester, tester. Yeah. right
1: uh, but but talk to us about that mentality to, to be able to treat it in that moment under that pressure as being a brilliant thing oh cheers guys yeah, it's, a, it's down to me
2: the, the good thing is I was not aware of my thoughts and that was a gift you know i was not i was obviously realizing where i'm at and what is going to happen here or w- w- what kind of chance i have now but i i didn't need to force myself to not think about the things that you don't want to think about um so it was for me a very clear thought this is powerful for the rider cup now i mean what an amazing chance i have now it was very clear you know it was very positive there was no um, second of doubt that I will miss the putt. I did three times in my career, and and there was w- one time at the Ryder Cup where I knew I gonna, I knew at that time that I'm gonna miss the putt, be- oh, that that I make the putt before it actually went in. Um, and um, you know, a lot of people say, why didn't you just lag the first putt, just hit it close? It's not, you know. It, it's difficult sometimes to lag a putt, especially if your mentality is for 17 holes to make it. Mm-hmm. It's not a stroke play. You play match play. So it's about making them. The hole is there, so why not trying to make it? Mm. And I, I also tried that on 18, you know, to hold the first putt. So that was very natural to continue your game plan. I didn't need to think or I need, didn't need to force my myself to think something uh, you know okay you know maybe you can three putt this now but no but it's, it's just a very easy putt uphill right to left you know you've done a million times it was very clear I knew exactly where I was I was very in, I was enjoying the moment so much I was watching on the screen behind me when they showed Bernard Langer's putt when he missed it and I, I saw it <laughs> yeah. oh but no was, what but that was when when it um, was 91 wasn't it when um, I played against Steve Stricker didn't I Yeah, against Stricker. Because he was standing over that 10, 12-footer for par. And I watched Bernard in the background. Someone
1: did that on purpose, right? Someone was playing a loop of bad European (laughs) Ryder Cup moments.
2: But it was so beautiful that I saw it, but I didn't realize it. You know, it was beautiful. I saw the images, but it didn't get to me at all. I didn't judge that moment at all. So, just and Some, no, someone of no, the no, Americans, right? Find,
1: find a German player who missed a part in the Ryder Cup, put it up on that big screen. Martin's coming I mean, up now. Exactly.
2: Yeah, but, and that's why it was such a gift, you know? That's why it was such a gift in, in terms of the moment that, is, uh, that was created by Sergio, by um, Justin Rose, who made those amazing putts. Oh. Ian Poulter, down the down the stretch, you know? I got that gift from them, handed, and I used it beautifully. Dubai Eye
1: 103.8 into the last couple of minutes of this sports special, this golf special with both Danny Willett and Martin Keimer. The reason these guys have very kindly given up an hour of their time to join us in studio is the fact that in a couple of days it is the start of the 31st edition of the Amiga Dubai Desert Classic. It's a tournament that Danny, you have won. You won it the year that you went on to win the green jacket at Augusta National as well and for both of you guys, long you know, sort of long-serving players in that tournament. You've both played it new numerous times it's a special one for the european tour 31 editions the oldest tournament in the middle east and i think it's the first outside of europe that mm. uh, the european tour actually branched out and, and played a, an event outside the european continent but from a player perspective danny uh, your thoughts on on this week and the desert classic
3: yeah it's a great week i've been coming here um for what 8 9 years now um fantastic week fantastic golf course at the majlis at the emirates um and like you say, it is pretty iconic. You come here every year, and the place changes, you know, so rapidly within 12 months. Um, and they keep continuing to change the golf course, making it better. The tournament itself has become massive now. Um, you know, you've had the best players in the world. Tigers has been here, Rory's been here, Martin's been here. West has played millions of times. You know, they get some great fields. Um, and usually throughout the Middle East, I would say this is probably you get the best crowds at this week as well. So. You know, it all shapes up to be um to be exactly what us as professional golfers want, you know, fantastic weather, loads of crowds, loads of fans, everyone having a good time and a fantastic golf course.
0: Martin, you've won down the road, not once, not twice, three times the Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship. At the start of a year, obviously the majors are sacrosanct. You want to win majors, that's what you're all in it to do, of course, is is win those majors. The Ryder Cup now, the Olympics. Is the the Omega Divide is a classic? is it one of those kind of tournaments that you kinda of look to and circle and think yeah, I fancy that one. Wanna get that in the trophy cabinet?
2: Yeah, because it's a very cool tournament to win for, for for many reasons. The guys who have won it before, you know, those are good good players. Um it's a golf course that is challenging. Um but if you if you hit fairways you have a lot of chances to make birdies. So it's a golf course it really gets you excited. You know, you can get you can get to five, six, seven under par if, if the putter is is a little bit warm. Um and as you said, you know, I won in Abu Dhabi. Um, a couple of times before to win in, in Dubai, that would be, that would be great. Um, then this year we also go to Qatar. You know, all those tournaments in the Middle East I really, really enjoy. And uh, Dubai is a, is a good place, you know, just to play golf or, or the other golf courses also. And as Danny said, you know, the, that tournament really became um, better over the last few years. And uh, they, they did a really good job.
1: You've got the Dubai double, Danny, because you won... The DP World yeah. Tour Championship as well. And that must have been a sweet one as well, to come back and win that tournament tail end of, what was it, 2018 you won, uh, won that one? Yes. Yeah. yeah, it was, yeah.
3: It was 900 and, what was it? There was a nice article. 950 odd days. Yeah. So from Is that foot. what it was? Yeah, so after we won Augusta, we we it took us 950 odd days to win, and we dropped to 462 in the world. On in, in the process, it was it's all been good fun. <laughs>
0: uh, I just want to uh, just to to put our listeners in the picture. We were just talking off air about new, new media versus old media, and and Danny, to paraphrase what you said, you said I don't care. Don't read. Don't care. I've got two kids. I've got enough in my life. I don't care what someone's writing on the back page of a newspaper in the UK. Martin, the German press. Obviously, I, I don't understand <laughs> German. I don't re- I don't read it. Danke is probably the only thing that I can give to you. I think
1: you spelt that wrong as well. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I-
0: with, an, with, an, with an A in the end. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's okay. I it? oh, understood. Oh,
1: understood. Oh, I got
2: it. Oh, that's embarrassing. But the German press, how are they with you now? I think um, they're very fair. Um, the expectations are super, super high. Um, because obviously golf is not as known as other sports in in Germany. They compare myself to Michael Schumacher, to the German football national team, that if you're number one in the world, how can you not win the next 10 weeks? So, um, But as I said earlier, when we had a break, you know, certain... Comment certain articles you can't you should not take serious because people have have not been in the position that you've been in, so they can't judge and they can't rate your performances unless you know when Danny tells me you know why did you screw up the last three three holes in Augusta so you finished second, fair enough, you know yeah, he understands he knows, and then we can talk about it. Because I valued his opinion in, in in that
1: not a fifteen handicappers. <laughs> no. Yeah. No, and
2: that is and and also just want to um say quickly, Danny, he he was really kind uh, a couple of years ago when I struggled a little bit with, with with a short game, and and he he took some time and after the British Masters, after one round, he he practiced with me for a little bit, showed me to chip and pitch properly, and uh, you know talking about friends on tour and and colleagues, and that is very rare that people do that, so that's why um. Uh, yeah, that was a nice, kind gesture. It's been an absolute pl-
1: pleasure really and a has. privilege to have you both in. And, and thank you so much for sparing the time. We really appreciate it. It's just hit eight o'clock, which means we're out of time. So we wish you the best of luck in this tournament, guys. The Amiga Dubai Desert Classic to Danny, to Martin. Thank you so much. Best of luck thank this you. week. And uh, Top stuff, boys. Yeah, we'll be down there. We'll be cheering you on. Cheers, guys.